0: education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's partners, The Sandbox, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities and live streams.
1: There is, like, there are two kinds of listeners to this show, by the way, and they are defined by their reaction to that sentence. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, is, yeah. There is half of the audience that said, <laughs> I have no idea what three-quarters of those words meant, and why do I listen to this show? <sighs> Hello, and welcome to episode 200 of the On Education podcast. I am your newest co-host, Brad Treffler, and I am joined by my bald-like-an-old-person co-host, Mike
2: Washburn. Oh, so extra.
1: (laughs) On the podcast today, we talk about some show updates. Shockingly, video games come up, the desperate teacher shortage and why it exists, the future of Peloton in gaming, and our guest this week is games and education expert, Zach Hartzman.
2: I'm leaving it in. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm allowing it. We're going to tweak it, but that was way too extra for me. I just man. I
1: just really wanted to say my old like a or bald like an old person co-host You're after Jacob's channeling conversation. 5-year-old. Like <laughs> that was really what I was going for. That was it.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, welcome to Brad's first episode. Um episode 200. Holy crap. Um all happening at the same time. I don't know if I can handle it all. We took a we took a break cuz schedules do not align. You guys went places because in America, they go places now.
1: Well, you know, I I don't I'm a 12 month <laughs> employee now, so I get like one week a year. I get to travel again. So I'm having to get right. used to the normal working life. Glenn went to
2: California.
1: Glenn went all over the place. He went to California and, he, and the and Dakotas
2: and, like, right. was, and then he went to South Dakota population The Irvings. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So it doubles the, every time. It's like he Glenn, goes in Glenn there. Irvin and family <laughs> um, are the population of North Dakota with his in-laws, I guess. So, um, yeah, we you know we tried to do a roundtable even for episode 200. We had a had an idea, and no one was around. Everyone's on vacation. It's the middle of the summer, I guess. Um, and and so this is episode 200. Where it, it is great, um, and I'm and I'm really excited brad's here i was thinking brad as we were getting set up here that you know glenn and i it was a crapshoot like i didn't know glenn hardly at all when we started the podcast and i actually feel like i know you a decent amount like i mean we talk outside of we've played games together at night and we've hung out you know, in person um you know uh, at conferences and it's and it's it, this is interesting this is neat um i'm really excited uh, you know that this is the first episode and we just did an interview we just did our first interview with uh, with Zach, right? Yeah, it, it
1: was it was above average, as you it told was... me. It was above average. So that's <laughs> good. I'm excited.
2: I think I, I actually also said it's, it was not mediocre. It yeah, was it go. was better than mediocre. <laughs> so that's good. No, it was great. Hey, listen, oh wow, synergy there. You'll hear why later, I guess. I've been watching this show. That I think every teacher should watch, especially every K to like five teacher should watch this show called Taskmaster. It's it's on you every episode is on YouTube for free. It's a British show. You put um, this in the notes, and I was like, I fully expected
1: this to be like some sort of on-air subtle cue for me to do more work. <laughs>
2: like no, I just, no, no, no. it just says Taskmaster, and I'm like, oh Mike's gonna be a Taskmaster. That's where no, we're going. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a show. And it's a game. It's kind of like a game show, but but not. But it is. Um, and it's British, so it's got like very British humor in it. But it's so good. And the 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 object of the show is is there's a panel. They're on for a whole season. There's five comedians, celebrities, whatever. And then Greg Davies, the comedian, Greg Davies is an English guy, is the host of the show. And he and the co-host. Um, um, I can't remember his name uh, Alex Horn is the co-host and they get the five panelists to do like weird or hard things and then the best people t- to perform those tasks wins points and then they do four or five tasks every episode and and whatnot. But the but the tasks, Brad, are so great that I, I sit there and I'm watching them and I've watched, there's there's 12 seasons of this show. So I've watched nine, we just finished season nine today. And I sit there and I watch them do these tasks and I'm going, this would be so awesome for like, a, you know those days that you would have in an, an elementary school? I don't know how far removed you are from stuff like that. But but like I taught in elementary school and we used to have these like Olympics type days where, where the, we'd put on like some stuff in the gym and we'd have stuff in the field and we'd have stuff on the, on the, on the, on the pavement and kids would rotate in groups and teams and they do all these weird tasks, right? Um, events. And, and that would be like an Olympic day. Ooh, like a field your day. School. Field day. Yeah. Right. Sure. Actually, not, not untrue.
1: I think that's pretty much what the actual Olympics are going to look like this year. Oh,
2: but the Olympics like... are a dumpster fire. That's a whole different topic. Um, but these tasks would be so awesome for that, that I'm dying for teachers to watch this show and agree with me and go, oh my God, I am using the taskmaster tasks at school.
1: It sounds um, like as you're describing it, like minute to win it. Like this is the British version of minute to win it. But I, I, it, maybe it's like, are they different? What are the, ta- give an
2: example of a task. So, so <laughs> the, the first task is always the funniest. Now this is the one that's least related to school. But um, but the the first task of the show is always where the the guests the five panelists have to bring in something and it's always there's a criteria so um, the best slippery thing right is an example. That would so be they, really. They, they, you they, could they, do this in elementary, but that would be the stopgap for that game. Right, Just right. Nope. So they had to bring in the best slippery thing, or or like they have to bring in the thing that will change their life the most in the best way. This is the thing that will change Greg Davies' life the most in the best way, because he's the judge, the judge of the show, right? So, but that's like, the other tasks are things like, um, run as far as you can while making a noise constantly. Okay. So you have to, you know, go go the longest distance while making a noise. Okay. And so they, they, but they're hilarious, right? Because first off, the, the thing like there's a magic sauce to it they're comedians right so right. they're funny and they're naturally hilarious and they're very improvisational and they do a lot of, of stupid stuff but it's uh it's a hell of a show man and i think you should watch it and i think glenn <laughs> should watch it and i think everyone listening should watch it and then let's talk about taskmaster because uh i'm down with it
1: <laughs> i was gonna say i think the real moral of this section of the show is you just want to talk about this show with more people <laughs>
2: I do. I do. I do. Um, another thing I actually want to talk to more people about is Dune. I, I bought Dune, the books. Okay. There's six of them, apparently. I didn't even know this. Yeah, yeah it's a
1: whole thing. It's a whole series. So the,
2: yeah, there's probably like literature people just screaming yeah. at me right now. Yeah. They're real not happy about it. It's only <laughs> going to get worse because I'm about
1: to say something. I could not get through the first book, and this was recently. <laughs> Like really? I couldn't, I tried to do the audiobook. We did it for a book club pre pandemic with some friends yes. and, uh, nah, couldn't get through. It was actually the end of the book club. It ended the book club. We were done.
2: <laughs> Dune was so bad. The book club ended yeah no one could get through it they couldn't
1: get through it now I don't know that we gave it a fair shot I tried to listen to it with my wife in a car like it probably wasn't which like I've listened to a lot of great books that way I love audiobooks with my wife but it was not a good book for her so I probably should have given it a shot on my own maybe I'll go back to it but it just there's a lot of names it kind of struggles with the same problem in my opinion that um, Game of Thrones has
2: as a book sure okay there's just
1: so many names and hearing them they aren't quite as differentiated as reading them maybe and it just hard to keep track
2: interesting so the reason i got onto this is because they just showed all of the posts. Um, there's a movie there's a new movie coming out like i think it's the in, 17th version of dune i'm pretty sure they've made a lot of movies
1: and tv shows about but this there's material. tons of movie stars
2: in this one there's like scott brolin is in this and the guy drogo aquaman is in this mm-hmm. and um uh, my most one of the most underrated Actors in the world. Um, what's his name? Oscar Isaac's is is in this like unbelievably underrated actor. Um, so there's tons of movie stars in this movie. Like this is a so I saw, but I saw the posters um, and they look so dope that I was like, I might I might be able to get behind this. And I do a lot of reading now. I'm I'm, I'm doing this like whole nighttime routine where I read for an, almost an hour every night before bed and. Um, feel good i feel good brad i was gonna say i feel like that's a good routine to get into i Mm -hmm. I was my initial
1: question was gonna be at what point do you think you have time to read six ridiculously
2: long dune novels yeah yeah it's between 11 and 12 (laughs) okay okay that's it that's my that's my allotted time for for reading is 11 between 11 and 12 Uh, but you know it's part of a whole thing i'm trying to you know be healthy and get in shape and sleep speaking of being healthy
1: yeah. yeah, we got tagged in a tweet like right before we started recording, and that I, I didn't even read the article. I probably should have because that would be what a prepared host would do. No, it's good, but like Peloton is getting yeah, into yeah, gaming. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. in. I don't on the headline. I'm in. I'm I'm in.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. I mean your Peloton's in the your in your shot. Like but, yep, so there we go. People people who listen to this know that we have video, and if you've been a guest, you know we have video. But but Brad's Peloton is in his room. Mine's just With on the other side of the room. Recently
1: door. used sweaty rag because I literally got off the Peloton. Gross. Saw the tweet, people made dinner know. and then did the show. Brad, you're disgusting. People don't didn't know, need to anyhow. know that. I'm just too honest for my own good. That's my life. So story.
2: yeah, it's like a it's like a racetrack that you're going to drive down and it looks like Dune, uh, not Dune. What's the other thing? The four letter, another four yep. letter word with a big story. Tron. Tron. Yep. Right. Tron. It looks like Tron and you're, you're, you're driving and you're going to have to ride and, and you're going to have to like meet certain like cadence and resistance requirements and you're going to get prizes and whatever. It's, I don't know, but I need part of this. Um, and I'm pretty excited because that's, you know, that's like, the game-based element is what got me into riding in the first place. When I was into Zwift, mm-hmm. was this idea of of it being a little bit gamified. And actually, I find Peloton a lot more gamified than it gives than people give it credit for. Like, like there's achievements, tons of achievements. Like truckload. They are running a masterclass on how to deliver credentials. By the way, like oh, if yeah. you're looking for like. Um, a a business source of knowledge and information on how to deliver digital credentials, Peloton. You should be looking into that nonsense because oh my god, there's thousands. And, of and them. even
1: from the teaching like standpoint, the the um the like the trainers and instructors like they call out the badges when somebody has them in a class. Like I was I did my ride today. I did with Leon Hainesme, and she commented on how like someone had the Yes for You crew badge, and then I was like, well, wait, now I need that badge because like. <laughs> Like (laughs) yes to you all day. I'm I'm gonna like I don't know how to get that badge and I gotta figure it out So I don't know like you're right. They they have it right They there is like a thing about it where I went, you know with just life and business and stuff I went like two months or a month and a half without writing and it felt wrong Like Mm -hmm. now I'm back and pushing myself way harder than I would after getting back from a break because I got to catch Back up to where I was like I've got to I got to get on the leaderboard. I got to get up there
2: that's awesome. Yeah, so we're, I'm excited about that, um, and and hopefully I can get into the the beta. In in other gaming news, we're not going to talk long about this, but I, I did want to. We're going to put it in the show notes. Um, I was at a on a PAX panel. Actually, with Zach Hartzman, who uh, who was just on the show, and Steve Isaac's. Um, yeah, and there is our obligatory name drop. Yep. Um, it. For, for the show, it crushed the Steve <laughs> Isaac's name drop, um, but PAX is. Another thing that non-gamers wouldn't know, but PAX is probably like after after E3 and after Gamescom that's in Germany and the Tokyo Game Show. PAX is probably the fourth largest video game conference in the world. It's and it's big. Like like Gamescom and TGS and E3 are gigantic. PAX is gigantic. And they do but they do panels, which is super cool. Almost like um GDC, Game Developer Conference, also does panels. Um, but I was on a PAX panel, which is so cool. Um, kind of bucket list a little bit. Yeah, it is, um, so, is
1: very cool. When I saw you were doing that, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm super jealous of that one. That was Yeah, cool. it was
2: pretty rad. And I'm, I'm pretty excited. So that's a little check mark on my um, my personal resume there. And, like and for so I VOD. For, for context, like PAX, yeah.
1: like for our audience, right? PAX versus an ISTE, for example.
2: Pax is is like is like an E. E3 is probably is probably so the thing about E3 is that E3 used to be industry only and it's still very industry. But um, you know, Pax is Pax is like the gamers conference. Like it's 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 a lot less industry focused. It's it's a lot of players. There's a lot of like demo booths. There's a lot of like beta signups. There's a lot of but then there's these panels. Um, but the panels in in normal PAXes would have been like like Comic Con. PAX is a lot like Comic Con for video games, um, but like the big Comic Con, what's that? San Diego or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? So it's big. Like so, it, it was it's really cool. I am we we submitted the same panel, which is our game study panel. We submitted it for PAX West, um, which is going to be in person in Seattle in the fall. And I swear to God, if we get in, I'm going to PAX. <laughs> um, PAX Prime, PAX West, that's the main PAX. Um, so I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty psyched about it. Um, you know, it's funny. This wouldn't be on education if there wasn't games talk. We brought in someone else who knows about video games. Thank God.
1: Yeah, no, I, and you know, you you <laughs> we got we got tagged in a tweet uh so like actually you got tagged in it it's one of those whole like do this and then tag five people which which normally sure. i'm generally disgusted by like i just can't stand but in this particular case you got tagged in it and played out and then i actually managed to to do it myself but it, the question was the five games that made you the gamer you are today so so you said for you it was a shockingly
2: easy list so what did, what did you come I've- up with I've thought about it. I've totally thought about it and I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I wouldn't be a teacher if it was not for civilization. I would not be a teacher. I guarantee you. Um it got me into history. Um it got me into to you know thinking critically and deeply about video games and um and and playing hard games and stuff like that. I so I put I had Civ 2 and Civ 5 on the list. I probably should have Lumped them all into like all civilizations because i've bought them all and played them all aggressively i think i have like 2500 hours in civilization 5 at this point on steam sounds about right so i mean it's it's bonkers um i did put age of empires on there another history game um and what else did i have in there world of warcraft i actually i got into a really good conversation after this list about when i put world of warcraft on there because um, i actually wrote a paper um about my my experience as a guild leader in a like a high-end rating world of warcraft guild um, and there like is the like, there are two experience.
1: kinds of listeners to this show, by the way, and they are defined by their reaction the to that sentence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There yeah, is, yeah. there is half of the audience that said, I have <laughs> no idea what three quarters of those words meant. And <laughs> why do I listen to this show? Give me to the interview. Uh, and then there's the other half that are like, yeah, that
2: makes total sense. And I don't need an
1: interview in my life.
2: <laughs> I wrote a paper about it, man. I wrote a paper about leading, leading MMO guilds and how it relates to developing leadership skills. And and how it played a role in leadership skills and in education. Like I, I tied all of those <laughs> points together. Um, and, I, you know, and one of the omissions that I had a buddy that I tagged in it um, had wrote SimCity and I probably should have put SimCity in my list. So that's like an honorable mention. I played the hell out of SimCity. Um, I played, you know, SimCity Four a ridiculous amount. Um, skipped, uh, the newest SimCity was a dumpster fire. The one that came out in 2009, but city skylines, which has come up on this podcast a lot and is a great game for education, um, um, is, is amazing. It is the best game in that genre. Um, did you, did you, you wrote a list? I'm not sure if I remember seeing it and I'm sure it's all <laughs> Zelda games. So let's go. It's not all Zelda
1: games. I struggled with this list. I'm not going to lie. I struggled Good. a lot because cool. I could probably have put five Zelda games. I also probably could have put five Mario games, and then I realized how much Nintendo was on my list. So I, I struggled with this, and I actually had subtitles, like, con- comments for each one, and they wouldn't fit in the tweet, so I had to delete them all. But <laughs> um, So I put Zelda Ocarina of Time is number one. That is That made me the gamer I am today. Um, and, and, like, I 100%... That is, that is probably the, the definitive answer. I'm, I'm literally getting a Triforce with an Ocarina tattoo in a month. So like that is, that is the game for me. Um, the other one I would put on there, and this is going to get some hate, Final Fantasy VIII, best Final Fantasy game. Wrong. At, at me. Go ahead. At me. I don't care. It's still the best Final Fantasy game. And the game, <laughs> the tweet did not specifically say a video game, so I think I cheated a little bit, and I put Magic the Gathering, like the original. Okay. Like that game was... Along the same time I was doing Zelda Ocarina of Time, we were playing Magic the Gathering. Every single day with my brothers and my friends. I mean, it was we would be in the like hallways of the apartment buildings, and like because my parents said we had to go outside, so we would go to the hallways of the apartment buildings. Which in Florida, those are outside. To be clear, technically, they're not in a building, and so we would just sit there on the floor and like play magic constantly. You were a
2: giant nerd. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, such a nerd. Oh. Um. And then I split Mario, Super Mario Brothers. I think original Mario. I have memories of my dad playing that when I was like three. And like that got me into gaming. Um, and then the last one I had to put was Halo. I think that was the first time of that whole list. That was the first time that like the idea of community gaming sort of came into my life my friends and i would go to one friend's house in particular that was super fancy because his dad was an it guy and he had it set up for a land connection and we'd bring all our xboxes over and play like 15 people in a house and you'd hear people screaming in the other room when you headshotted them like it was great it was just awesome experiences so, so funny those are those are my five I, I i stand
2: by them i stand by them interesting i have a very hot take about halo okay that you're not going to like. I mean, go for it. I legitimately guest. think Halo might be the most over one of the most overrated series of all time. Like, I, I just I I don't I can't get on it. And I, I get, you know, I think what what attaches people to it is that that community experience is huge. The idea that it was it was one of the first games that people played like like in that Xbox Live era, right? I don't know I don't know how into this we want to get
1: but I'm going to say <laughs> The best shooter previous to Halo was GoldenEye. Go back and try to play GoldenEye. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It is a dumpster fire. The aiming was a nightmare. And Halo is the game that developed the two-stick aim style, which to this day is still how first-person shooters work. So regardless of what you may feel about the the series as a whole or the storyline or the obsession with it, it is still the game that developed how all first-person shooters have been played ever since. Just saying... Just say whatever you want, you're wrong, keep going.
2: <laughs> this is a great episode of the podcast. <laughs> but for only you and I that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> so so we came across a, a tweet and this this podcast would this wouldn't be an episode uh, without a tweet um, that is we're talking about um, from Abby Norman um, at Abby Norman says uh, is her handle and her tweet is I quit my teaching job and now make more bartending for 15 less hours a week. I also get blamed for way, way less and get told thank you way, way more. No lesson plans or grading papers. Remember this when people ask about the teacher shortage. And I'll tell you, I've seen a couple of these recently. Um, Eric Leitner um, also tweeted recently about a job posting he saw in Florida for a teaching position that had three years required experience and its pay was twenty to $30,000 a year, which is mind-blowing. Our our, our friend Becky Latov quit her job um, teaching because they were going to make her work in a death trap of a school. Um, she didn't say that. I said that. You can sue me if you want, stupid Florida school. Um just for the record I don't have anything against Florida schools in general (laughs) yeah no 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 all me all me. I'm good I'm good with it come at me Um, it's like a charter school or whatever so it just makes it even more obviously ridiculous Um, but you know she actually I think probably makes more as a consultant for participate um, than she was going to have to get paid to teach you know and you know be exposed to COVID in like a you know, the wild west of no COVID precautions in Florida. Um, You know, so... What's COVID? I haven't heard of it. Right. (laughs) It's like, huh? Let's just go to the beach, dudes. Um, So I quit my teaching job and now make more bartending. You know, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I I
1: mean, I think... Any bartender probably makes more than any teacher. Like a bad bartender at a dive well, bar no. probably makes in Obviously Florida. Not. Let me let me clarify. In Florida, okay. Okay. Like if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are if you are looking at like right around any college in Florida, like any major university around UCF, for example, the bartenders at UCF make more than the people that graduated with a degree from UCF in education. I, I don't doubt that for a second. However, What I found fascinating about this was sort of the replies. Like, some of the replies that came in were pretty great. Like, some people were throwing out. What salaries were in various areas, and um, one of the top replies was like, "I'm in Florida. None of this is true for me. <laughs> like, I would make way more as a bartender than I would as a teacher in Florida. Our starting salary. I don't know where they were making twenty to thirty thousand, but starting salaries in Florida now, thanks to a, a bill by Governor DeSantis that only raised beginning teacher salaries and teachers with experience didn't go up at all." Um, they are like forty seven thousand dollars a year, I think, is something like that, maybe forty two. Um, but it's like that's nothing. That that's and, and the, like it's not like the cost of the living average, in a Florida you said is cheap. That's the average salary. That's starting. That's starting. starting we, okay. On a budget, we're charged. We are like for the quote unquote average is like sixty two thousand dollars a year,
2: which is it's okay, but it's certainly not the wage like a professional with with you know multiple degrees um and it, it deserves at all like i mean not even close um you know and if you were if you were single making 62 grand isn't bad like you're not living an awesome life but i mean you're you're doing okay but i mean yeah, man, in, my, in a one bedroom
1: studio apartment in orlando and and a teacher if you're in downtown Nah, you can't afford that. But like outside wow, of the yeah. city, like yeah. yeah, you could do okay. You could do a one little little one bedroom apartment and you might have enough money to go to a bar on a Friday night. Like that's mm. that seems fair.
2: Yeah, steady diet of mac and cheese.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, solid. It, like, it's great. Microwave <laughs> little mac and cheese dream. is life. It is life. <laughs> Living the, the, the dream. And the, the irony, I remember feeling this way, by the way. I, I'm not kidding about this. I remember feeling this way. I was like, I'm in school. And I remember, as a student, what it felt to look at teachers like, oh, they've they've got their life together. they like, you know, I may not want to be what they want. They are, like, whatever. But they're adults. They're teaching me how to live in the world. And sure. yes, they're teaching me all the stuff I don't want to know. And, now, and then it was like when I was a single teacher and I was going home to my little little like crappy one like two bedroom apartment with the just awful carpets and because that's what I could afford like it was oh yeah no this is what all my teachers went home to actually now that I think about it this is this is it and I definitely respected them which I guess is good but man that is just not it's it's it really is And, and I see it I see it from the other side a little bit now as an AP as an assistant principal like we're trying to hire people and and when you look at what you know what our what our teachers are making, but even extend it beyond that, our classified staff, our non-instructional staff, they're making under fifteen dollars an hour, and we're sitting here pushing for a fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage. And our poor, our poor cafeteria staff, and our janitors, and our and our people doing the work that is so tremendously necessary to keep a school running, are making ten, twelve dollars an hour
2: if they're lucky. Yeah, like it's just not okay, man. No, so. We've told we've said everything that we could possibly say over the last 200 episodes about what people need to do to to resolve or like help resolve this. I mean, it's it's politics, obviously, and it's voting and voting for people who care about education and educators. Um, And and, you know, that's the only thing that's going to make any of this kind of stuff change uh so we can only keep you know pounding the that drum and 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 encouraging people to to vote and encourage others to vote and um you know keep doing the work to make sure people know that teachers are professionals and they deserve a a lot more and and it's a shame any any bright capable person you know who decides to quit you know educating uh to go uh, serve drinks, um, because they need that to make more. Um, that's a tragedy, Mm -hmm. um, of, of pretty epic proportions. Um, and, and so it's, it's, uh, it's untenable and, and, and we do our little part here to try to help fix it. And hopefully other people will, uh, get out and vote. Folks. Get out and vote. Take a picture, take a screenshot
1: of this tweet. It's linked in the show notes. Take a screenshot of this tweet and just post it on your Facebook. See what happens. Like, t- yeah. see what your racist uncle says about this tweet. Cause, like, I really want to know what your uncle
2: Bill says. Like, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, weigh in, Bill. Um, <laughs> hey, when we come back, we're going to talk to, I'm a big fan of this guy, Zach Hartsman. So stay with us.
3: We are building this virtual community of educators who share an interest in game design and teaching new skills. We will use this space to connect, to collaborate and innovate with The Sandbox.
0: That's Sebastian Bourget, he's the co-founder and chief operating officer at The Sandbox.
3: This community is here to provide guidance, support, feedback and suggestions on how to best use The Sandbox within the context of teaching and learning how to make video games. It allows also to connect experts and educators, bringing together existing creators and members of the Sandbox game platform community with professional educators.
0: The Sandbox community has grown into a vibrant space of 100 plus educators. How can you get involved? More to come later in the episode
2: welcome back to the podcast everyone our guest is a social studies teacher in new york city he's also the owner and proprietor i love that word of hey listen games which is probably the best repository of k-12 video game curriculum in the world he's a recipient of the game awards future class 2020 recognition as well welcome to on education zach hartzman
4: that was that was a lot of high praise well, you're like, you like ner- it, buddy. I'm nervous now.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's it. That's what we do. So, talk about. Uh, listen, you know, I give you all that high praise because, like, and I tell you this all the time. We talk a lot, especially lately. And I tell you all the time that if I had won the Game Awards Future Class 2020 thing, I'd be putting it on banners outside my house and stuff. I'd be screaming um so let's talk about that let's talk about the game awards let's talk about future class there's going to be a lot of people in the audience who don't know what that is and why that's a big deal so tell us what it is who they recognize and 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 why and how it feels to be part of that 2020 group
4: yeah so the game awards is a big like ceremony put on every year uh Produced and hosted by Jeff Keeley, one of the main faces in the gaming industry. Think you can think it's of huge. it. Yeah, it is
2: you, the ga- it is the game awards
0: now.
4: Yeah, think of you can think of it as like the Oscars. Um yeah. just on the game side. Yeah. And this past year in twenty twenty, they started an initiative as a part of the game where it's called the Future Class. And it's a group of I didn't know it at the time, but it's a group of fifty people. Um, and I guess each year will be 50 more people, that's that's an assumption for now, but it's 50 people from around the world who are using games in unique ways and just making the industry a more diverse and inclusive space. And I was chosen as one of the first 50 people, um, the inaugural class of the future class. Uh, my wife actually was the one who nominated for me, she told me she was going to nominate for me, and then so nice. I didn't think I was going to get accepted, but then I did, so <laughs> thank you to her. Um, yeah. And it's cool because the when I I didn't know who the other members were until the, uh, the day it was made public. And as I was browsing through them, these were all a lot most of them were names of people that I knew um, who work in the gaming industry, either devs or um, personalities or journalists, like a lot of podcast hosts, um, some bigger devs, some, a lot of indie developers. But uh, I was a lot of people in accessibility also, but I was really the only person, like, outside the gaming industry. I, like, I'm starting to, like, creep more into it, but, I, like, I'm a teacher. I'm in the educational world. I'm not, yeah. like, officially part of the gaming industry. Um, and so I was the only teacher as a part of the group. And awesome. it's, yeah, it's so cool. I'm hoping, like, going forward, we can get more educators repped in that group because... Like you you all know it just games and school and education, game based learning is just growing rapidly. So I, I do think it's gonna we're gonna have a bigger presence soon.
1: Tell me, so you you mentioned like we hope to see more, right? So so in your eyes, does this does this equate to more exposure for games and education or more exposure for education and games? Like what is that what does that mean to you?
4: More exposure for like games being used in, in an educational space is like a lot of the work i do is using video games as text right i'm using i'm often using them as like pieces of literature in my class for my students to like read and analyze the same way that they do with any other text any book any movie any poem it's like we're doing the exact same skills just using a game as an, another like variable um and that it's because that is becoming more popular especially since i made Halo's hey listen games i have teachers reaching out to me all the time about uh, asking for ideas or telling me about the lessons from my site that they have used, so I do I do know that it's just that in my own like personal sphere, especially on Twitter, like people are contacting me all the time about how they're, they they want to try this and how they are trying this. Um, so I my hope is that it eventually bleeds into the gaming industry and and game devs start seeing the products that they're making as pieces of literature because when people when authors write books or like poetry a lot of the creators will work, work with schools to get their books in the classroom yeah. whereas it's not really a thing yet for games you don't see many game devs trying to get their uh games in classrooms other than a couple of really like big name AAA studios
2: yeah yeah like Asa- i guess assassin's creed the the, the discovery tour is the one i think of. right so so you mentioned hey listen games so let's talk about that. And and actually, I, I think the first thing I'd love to start with is the name. Um, because I've actually never asked you about mm. the name. And there's got to be a story of some sort. Or I I don't know, maybe not. Maybe you were just drinking one night. And we're like, Hey, listen, I got a really good idea. Maybe that's it. And I just I just stepped all over it. But but tell tell us about the name. Give a guess. I, I do for sure. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think it a- could. It, I, I think the most logical one would be what I just said, which is like, you know no it's to do it's with a refer- that, it's but... an operative time reference hey listen
1: yeah. hey listen that's that's
4: obviously navi yeah, yeah. oh you zelda nerds i'm that's... i'm i'm playing skyward sword hd right now I'm oh a, my i i paid God. 60 dollars for a 10 year old game i am i'm a nerd i'm a zelda nerd so did i, so
1: did I. also have a tattoo scheduled in august just saying it's oh, nice. you <laughs>
2: You Zelda people are insufferable everywhere.
1: I constantly try to forget the fact that you don't like Zelda games. Like, it's just like, it's, it's that one, you know, every friend has that one part of your personality you hate. It's just.
2: <laughs> I've tried so hard and I want to, I want to be part of the cool
4: kids club so bad. Um, now, have, but I did, just... you, did you try Breath of the Wild? Because it's very different. I tried, man. I've tried it twice. I own it. It's I can pick it up. It's a completely different genre than most Zelda games.
2: Yeah, I know. I know, and that's the one I should like. Um, Anyways, you Zelda people. So so to get us a little back, a little
1: bit back (laughs) on track, how does uh, how does that reference to to you lead to your own product?
4: Yeah. So when I had, like, I had my website made for the most part, and. When I launched the website, there were only ten lessons that I had um, there at the beginning, and I didn't have a name yet. I was just, but I needed a name so that I can get a URL to use. And originally, I just wanted it to be Hey Listen, and it was just gonna be HeyListen dot org. But some like musician website had mm-hmm. it, uh, but it's like unused, and they wanted several thousand dollars. Zero, <sighs> like, I'm not paying that. So I just added games to the end of it. But I, I landed on Hey Listen because. Ocarina of, Ocarina of Time is it is my favorite game. I credit I credit Ocarina of Time as the game that made me a gamer. Like before then, I just played like Mario and Golden but Ocarina of Time is really the game that made me start playing adventure games, and getting into the games with the story and like exploration. Because hmm. like Mario was fun, but that was like it was fun because it's a platformer. So Ocarina of Time really opened my eyes to what gaming could be. And then I from the, and I was seven I think when Ocarina of Time came out. And I talk about this a lot now, how Ocarina of Time was really... Like, I learned a lot from that game. I learned there's a ton of reading. There's a lot of cooperation because I played it with my older brother. We played it together on one save file, taking turns. And this was also before we really had like guides readily available. I, I could, we could have gone to the store and bought the physical guide, but I didn't have that. And this was still like in Game faxes infancy. So and it was like facts was just like, super small lines of text, so it's like hard to navigate right. that. So when we were playing this, we would actually go to school and talk constantly in the cafeteria with other friends who were playing Ocarina Time. It was a whole community experience. And that's like part of the magic of video games. You we learn so much. We work together so much. And Ocarina Time was really the first game that I started doing all these other aspects rather than just like trying to beat a level. And I've also yelled at my students, hey, listen a million times, so I thought it was fitting. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. So I think it'd be interesting to chat uh, a little bit about your process. So, you know, let's, let's pretend there's a game, um, fictional game, that you uh, see or play or you hear about. And it looks like it has classroom potential. Um, I'm curious, how do you decide whether it does or not? And what are you what are you looking for like when you're playing a game for the first time? What are you what are you looking for in that first playthrough? So it really depends
4: because often I play so many games that I'd say eighty percent of the time I'm not looking for a game that could have classroom potential. Mm. It's just the game that I want to play, and as I'm playing and I'm just playing it for fun. And as I'm playing with it, I'm like, this could work in the in this way and then at some point i'll find a way to bring it into my classroom and then as my website's gotten more popular i'm now like that other 20 percent now i'm reaching out to developers and asking uh for code so like i'm currently playing through beyond blue for the first time made by Line media they also did never alone they're two really great games where they incorporate like live documentaries into the game and so that so with beyond blue that i'm playing right now i reached out to them they gave me a code and now i'm playing it specifically like with creating like a marine bio lesson in mind oh nice so it that's a different process than like when i played celeste for the first time that was just because i wanted to play celeste i heard a lot of great things about celeste but then as i was playing it i thought this would be a really fantastic game to bring into my advisory class to teach about growth mindset and like and why it's okay to fail and just trying again so it really it really depends I'm often not like searching for a game to bring in. It just kind of happens naturally.
2: So you've played it and you love it. Um, what's next? So how do you go from seeing, you know, the potential in a game uh, that you've played to developing lessons or in some cases, like I know like you've developed entire units. Yeah. So So how do you get from, you know, smashing the buttons and just playing a game and, to, to writing lesson plans and publishing them on your website?
4: So when I... Most of Hey lesson Games are like individual activities, individual lessons. There, there are a couple of units, but I'll, I'll get to that a little later. The lessons are more, here's something you can bring into your classroom that doesn't need to replace what you're already doing. Because uh, when you start developing an entire unit, you're going to be sacrificing something in order to teach that. Because a unit can go from 10, 20, 30 days, uh, whereas a lot of the lessons I do with games are often a week max. I tend, they tend to be indie games, like two to five hours long, just so that they don't take up too much class time. So when I find a game that I like, so if, I will use Gone Home for example, because I, I use it almost every single year. And when I played Gone Home, I thought this would be a really cool. As okay, mild spoilers for Gone Home. So in Gone Home, it deals <laughs> with LGBTQ plus issues um, around. Uh, one of the, the main characters of the game, Sam, a teenager in high school. And I feel the way that that game approaches her identity comes is really well done and it comes out very naturally. And I thought that would be a really great way to introduce that unit. Well, not a full unit, but I was a unit on civil rights and talking about LGBTQ plus people as a part of that. I thought that game was a really great way to introduce my students into that topic. So So once I played the game, I was like, okay, this will be my piece of... Because whenever I teach a unit, I'm going to find one piece of literature to bring in. Not everything needs to be primary resources. So that was the game. It only takes about two, two and a half hours. So I put together a quick lesson just going over, like, what are the struggles of teenagers? And then once they get to the point where it is revealed that Sam is gay, then we get into conversations. What are the struggles of being gay? where were the struggles of being gay in the 90s during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era? And it just it leads to a lot of really great conversation, and then we branch into a much larger unit.
1: Yeah, you know my my follow up is uh, like I I was thinking about it before you even answered that question was really about like pushback, and and, you know it's one of those things where I I wanted to incorporate more games into my own classroom before I, I stepped out of the classroom, but it. It, it was, first of all, just the like technical limitations of trying to do it with many students. And, I, and I've seen from you that you can, you know, demonstrate it at the front of the board and have a conversation as if they're watching. it. And so I've seen a lot of those things you've done before, but I, I can imagine myself or, or a lot of other teachers trying to put this in their classroom and getting heavy pushback from administrators and also from parents. You know, as, as a parent, we worry about screen time with our kids and not that I necessarily do, but a lot of parents do. Um, but like, Um, you know, we worry about screen time with our kids and then that's happening in school now. And then with parent, with admin, wait, what about the standards? You got to teach the standards. You got to teach the standards. How do you, how do you come back at that or, or discuss that with people?
4: Yeah. So the first thing I always say to people who like genuinely think they will get a lot, a lot of pushback from admin or parents is to maybe start off with like a video game club before you start bringing it into your classroom. Just to kind of set, like create that culture first right and show its value and then like kind of like baby steps and then you can bring it into your classroom over time because I I did start with a video game club my first two years I didn't really start using games in my classroom until about my third year of teaching Uh, in terms of pushback on my end I haven't had any so it's hard for me to talk on that when when I started teaching I immediately like right off the bat started using comics uh, graphic novels movies and television and those lessons and units always weren't really well so my and my principal super supportive in every wacky idea I have. So when I originally broached the idea of bringing in video games, the only thing she asked was to see the lesson plan and what standards and outcomes I was hitting. And this is, this is actually what started leading into me making all of the lesson plans that are now on Haylesson Games, because she wouldn't let me teach with them unless I had these full lesson plans mapped out. Sure. So good. I started making them. And then after a while I had a bunch of them. So I just and people were asking me about it. So I made them public. So my admin's been nothing but supportive. And when it comes to parents, I'm in a bit of a unique situation. Uh, The school I teach at, it's a public high school, but it's an international school for newly arrived immigrants and English language learners. So my students are 100% immigrant population. None of them um, are native English speakers. They're all bilingual or multilingual now. And they come here. And as long as they're under 21, they start high school over in ninth grade. So I like I my my joke is always in my first year teaching a twenty three I had a twenty two year old in my classroom. And <laughs> the nature of them being immigrants and emergent bilinguals, multilinguals, their parents have trusted me to do anything I've ever wanted. They're just like, You're teaching my kid English. I don't even, like they're just like you do do whatever you think is best. So I've I've never once gotten pushback from any of them. But that's it's so, a unique situation.
2: Awesome. So so I live in southern Ontario. And you live in New York City, two of the most socially liberal places in the entire world, probably. So let's talk about the other part of this, which is you teaching games about LGBTQ issues, about racism, about and 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 I'm all for it. But Brad lives in Florida. (laughs) Oh, no, I don't need to say more (laughs) about that. And you know, and we have friends and listeners in, you know, all over the all over the place who are saying, I couldn't teach games, let alone teach Gone Home, in my classroom. What it, you've got to have some 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 thoughts, some guidance, hopefully, for our friends um, that aren't in. You know, liberal bastions of the world. Yeah.
4: Um, so you don't need to use Gone Home as a text, although I think you should. Like Gone Home is always like my required reading for anyone. But I did last year actually. I I helped a teacher in Texas uh, put together a unit on using What Remains of Edith Finch, and and she she teaches uh, middle school students, and it went fantastically with her. And that's like that's not a political game by any means. It's just. A wonderful short story and there are thousands of those there's so many indie games that are just tell really great stories that that, like don't need to be political quote-unquote although like i prefer to use the political games because i think those lead to more interesting conversations um but if you just want to teach about literary elements or rhetorical devices just like the stuff that you see in standardized tests there there are games for that also so the only thing you would need to do is just show the value of the game to your school or to the parents or to your students so you're saying don't just
1: do it first and ask for forgiveness if you find yourself like somewhere in a flyover state. Like if just you don't. have
4: a union, yes, do it first and ask for forgiveness. But if you don't have a union, I, then and it's you can get fired. Then I'm not so sure. I have a wonderful union that will protect me no matter what. So it's that's tough.
2: <laughs> I, I love I love that you use the term flyover state because I say that all the time and I'm the one who gets in trouble. Well. by saying that North Dakota has no pop people. Oh, now there's anyway, two of us. Brad said it this time, just for the record.
1: Uh, <laughs> so I, I just, I want to know, like, you know, what what is in your eyes, what's the future of Hey Listen Games? I mean, you're doing awesome stuff. I, I think it's safe to say that the work you're doing is impacting classrooms in a large space. I mean, we've seen it ourselves. But like, what is what is kind of the future of Hey Listen Games?
4: I don't know. I know what Mike wants it to be. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mike wants everything to be more work we've, on everyone. He just wants other people to suffer as much as
2: he does. <laughs> we've talked about this. Yeah. This is a great question. What's the future of Hey Listen Games? Yeah. Zach?
4: So when, when I made Hey Listen, it was never meant to be the thing that like generates income. For me, it was just the way, it was originally just a way to share what I have. And I haven't said it yet, but like all the lessons, all the curriculum on Hey Listen Games are free. They're, I don't I don't charge. I'm morally against charging teachers to pay um, for curriculum because I've never had to do it. And I'm in New York, I get paid decent, but like most teachers don't get paid decent salaries. So I just, I hate asking teachers to pay for anything. You can't donate. There are options to donate, which a lot of teachers have donated like small amounts here and there, which is great. So originally it was just meant to be a way to like, showcase what i was doing i before i had launched it i spoke with my wife about how i was interested in blogging um or trying to get into blogging so like part of hey listen games is the curriculum side and then part of it is a blog where whenever i do put a, a new lesson i'll provide a full post explaining my rationale for this game or whenever i teach with the game in my class i'll talk about how it went with my students and put some like handouts and student samples um so there's like those two parts of it but it's as it's gotten more popular it's i'm now Like, my hope is that it leads to opportunities in other areas. So I'm currently in the process of publishing a teaching manual on teaching with video games. It's currently in, like, its interior design phases. This has been, like, a year and a half in the making. Tons of editing and revision, because I can't write at all. (laughs) I'm a terrible (laughs) writer, so it takes a lot of time to get it to, like, actually look professional. So it's starting, and then, like, ideally, it could also lead to contracted work elsewhere with game dev studios who might want... Uh, curriculum made for their games it could like now i'm a known quantity so maybe it could hopefully lead to these other opportunities elsewhere but the website itself i don't think we're ever, ever actually like generate and like i have patreon but right now that's just for about 40 bucks a month which is great that pays for the uh keeps the url my url and my the professional email alive so ideally right it'll lead to opportunities elsewhere i've also never when i went into teaching i was also of the mindset that i don't necessarily want to teach forever Currently, I have student loans, so I'm in the public loan forgiveness program. So my current goal is to last the 10 years, um, get all my loans wiped out and then kind of see where I go from there. I think like dream job would be for a big uh, AAA studio to like hire me as an educational advisor, educational consultant, or just like someone there to make curriculum for them or to work with them to get their games in school spaces. But that's still a couple of years away.
2: So where where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about you? Uh, share the URL for the website again, and, and um, damn it, man, share that Patreon. Yeah. Uh, so so that you can, I'm am a patron uh, of Zach's just for disclosure, even though I think that everyone should be. So so tell them where to go to do that as well. Yes.
4: So the website is HeyListenGames.org or .com. Either will get you there. I'm most active on Twitter. I'm at hey games mm-hmm. underscore. Don't forget the underscore at the end. <laughs> I'm so close to getting the name without the underscore. Nice. Um, but for now, it still has the underscore. So, hey Listen Games underscore, uh, follow me, reach out to me. I usually follow back if you engage with me at all, and I'll definitely respond to any direct messages. My Patreon is patreon.com slash Yep, Yeah, please support. There's a $1 tier level. So, if you have a dollar to spare, please throw it my way. <laughs> or if you want to buy me a cup why of Zach coffee, a- throw three dollars my way so I can get some coffee. Why why Zach a coffee? Yeah. <laughs>
2: awesome. All right. Zach Hartzman, everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast, man. Thank you.
0: The Sandbox is creating a learning ecosystem where educators can learn in weekly streams, bring ideas into their classrooms, collaborate with other educators, and become Sandbox ambassadors.
3: Our goal through the stream is to show the world how low the barrier can be to teaching and learning game making through our no-code and accessible platform. Anyone can do it. Passion and education. You can feel it in the streams as we explore and share ideas around game design implementation in your teaching practice.
0: Join the community to learn more at go.participate.com sandbox.
1: Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Brad Shuffler. My co-hosts are Mike Washburn and Glenn Urban. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is Mr. Washburn on Twitter. Glenn can be found on Twitter at Herb Spanish. And I can be found at Brad Streffler. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you would share it with them. Please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome,
3: and see you soon.